Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I am unashamed. What about you? So we are super excited today on the Unashamed Podcast to welcome our special guest, Kaylee McEnany. Hello, Kaylee, and welcome to Unashamed. Welcome. Hey, it's an honor to join you guys. I was listening to your podcast when I was out in Wyoming, and I just love every second. My husband's an avid listener, and I, I really enjoy it, so it's an honor. So, so we, uh, we, we, I told you in an email that you will raise the IQ of this setting by several, several points. I, it's, it's probably, we don't even know what it'll be. We, we call ourselves C plus gospel men. She could be the most intelligent person we've ever interacted with. I, I think that's right. I think that's a fair assessment. So that's, that's how highly we think of you, Kaylee. <laughs> that is that is a high honor. However, I'm probably bringing down the common sense IQ because they're not one and the same. So. All right. So 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 right off the bat, because I read your book, by the way, which is excellent. Thank you for such a time as this. for such a time as this. Okay. Kaylee in the pink because she's rocking the pink. Uh, it was very, very good. So right off the bat, because you mentioned your husband before we came on air. So I want you to tell a little bit about him. And I know that he's a he's a major league uh, pitcher and from the book. And I read that. But I love the way that you guys met. And I think Jason Daz, because they don't know this information, but the very first time you noticed him and kind of what drew you to him, I think that would fit in with this group very well. So would you tell that story? Yes. Yeah, so I was living in Manhattan, which I don't like Manhattan at all. I'm in Manhattan right now. Uh, and I was having hard times meeting down to earth guys like my dad, who's a hunter and outdoorsman and was an athlete. And so I see this guy in camo on Twitter and I'm like, who wears camo in Manhattan? I've never seen anyone in camo. So I found out he's a major league baseball player for the Mets. I was the one who messaged him, um, found out he's obsessed with hunting. I mean, literally obsessed in duck hunting in particular. And we fell in love. I took him to a Southern restaurant, Southern restaurant in New York called <laughs> Southern Hospitality by Justin Timberlake. It's the best I could find. Um, and yeah, we hit it off. I got shrimp in my hair and the rest was history. I guess, <laughs> guess I can thank Twitter for that. So what, what about that? I Camo say, I say somewhere back in her past, uh, she came from very good stock. <laughs> well, the last time I was in New York wearing camo, I was escorted out of the Trump Hotel because I was mistakenly <laughs> a vagrant. So, oh yeah, that's true. True story. I'll true just story. take that up with my former boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he he. He uh, made restitution, so everything. Yeah, they reached out to Jace yeah. and they felt bad about it, what happened. Although the guy, I mean, none of us held against the guy because, I mean, you see us, Kaylee. Look at this group. I mean, you could easily be mistaken. You get the hair tusks, you know, you get the, the wrong clothing, and homelessness is just right there. I mean, Jace, Jace yeah. asked where the, rest, uh, where the restroom was. <laughs> I did. And some guy escorted him from the building and. Well, he grabbed my elbow, and I knew right then, why is he? What, what was that show we went on, and you announced what Well, I shouldn't have done that. If I'd have had a press secretary who could have advised Kaylee me. Kaylee could have totally fixed that situation. Because I thought they wanted to do a story on the uh, Michael Strahan. At that time, he had a show with. Uh, it was Michael and Kelly, or Kelly and Michael, or something yes. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they were like, well, how's New York? And I said, well, I just got kicked out of the Trump Hotel. I probably shouldn't have announced that there because then it was embarrassing. This is pre presidential campaign, and uh, we were there promoting Duck Dynasty. Right, because it was to deal with the show. I thought it was funny, but, but it. 
kind of went viral. So then they reached out to me and they were like, we're firing this guy. And I was like, well, don't fire him. He was doing his job. If you didn't know who I was. Jace, I wouldn't let you hang around my house. I didn't know you were my son. And they were real professional about it. Hey, what are you doing out there? (laughs) So, Kaylee, the next time we came to the Trump, and we went back. We love the Trump. It's our favorite place to stay. So when we went back, uh, they showed us that they had pictures of all the guys behind the counter to make sure we didn't get run out (laughs) anymore. Oh, my gosh. That's true. It's that like full on camo, head to toe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And yeah. I was having Kayla, a bad, bad hair year, and it just went spiraled <laughs> out. I mentioned control. this yesterday. You've been, you've worked for the man. I met him about three, three times, pointed him to Jesus, said, Jesus is the way. Make sure you get that on right, Trump. And so we talked, you know, same age, same age. So I wrote this down literally in my Bible. Because people were, yeah, 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 about Donald Trump. I wrote down definition of Trump. Acumen. Keenness and quickness in understanding and dealing with a situation. Shrewdness. Mental acuteness. I wrote it down and I said, I'm going to vote for this dude. Because in, in here, I... I but a lot of them, they couldn't get past, especially women, his personality, his demeanor. He, they thought he was a little too caustic. But for me, I said, man, we lost a great man. Look at what he accomplished in a short period of time in this bunch we now have. I mean, it is yeah. pathetic, pathetic. Yeah, it, it truly is. And look, we're all imperfect. Um, you know, he who sinless cast the first stone. I mean, look at some of the greatest figures in the Bible who yeah. altered the course of history, like Moses and David. And we're all imperfect. So, I mean, you want to point fingers. There are many fingers pointing right back. I mean, at Peter you. is saying to Jesus, you're not going to die. You're not going to die for the sins of the world. <laughs> Remember? And so, you know, hey, but so, I just want to let you know, uh, if someone came to you and they asked you about Donald Trump, I, I just gave you what I thought think about him. I, I didn't. I, I overlooked any kind of character flaws. I didn't care about little stuff like that. His attitude, yeah. cost, little caustic around the edges. I said, look, I looked at the man's policies, pro God, pro gun, pro life. I'm like. And look at us now. Yeah, that's right. I love the way um, you acuteness and the words you wrote down. Those are synonyms of Trump, but they're antonyms of Joe Biden. I <laughs> that mean, is correct. Sorry, that guy's got none of that. <laughs> that's right. So, Kaylee, in the book, since we're talking about Trump, you you talked a lot about a personal action. Obviously, you talked to him every day when you were working for him multiple times, dealing with you know everything you guys were dealing with with the country. And but you presented a picture of him of warmth of uh, I'd say professionalism of the way he handled himself. Tell our audience a little bit about what it was like to interact with him as, as closely as you did for that time you were in the in the White House. Yes, well, look, he of course expected everyone in the White House to operate at a very high level. You know, I write in the book about you know the angriest I had seen him was the day after St. John's Church burned. You remember yep. the church that was set on yep. fire by the yep. rioters right across from the White House and. He had a right to be angry that day. But, you know, there were those incidences where he just demanded more and better for the country. But beyond that, generally speaking, this man was fun to be around. He always got you laughing. When you went into the Oval, you couldn't help but leave with a smile on your face if you were doing a good job and and you got that chance to interact with him on a personal or a friend basis. And he cared a lot about family. I mean, I'll never forget I was taking off of Marine One to Air Force One with him one Saturday night. And he looked at me and he goes, why are you here? And I said, what do you mean? Why am I here? I'm your press secretary. And he said, no, you should be with your husband. Where's your husband? What's he doing? And I said, well, he might be pitching in a baseball game. And he said to me, well, then you should definitely not be here. And all night he kept asking about my husband. Is he pitching? And as we're landing after the rally, he said to me, Kaylee, next time go be with your husband, be with your daughter. And by the way, go to my private dining room, kick up your feet and watch your husband pitch, which I did not do. But it told me a lot about Trump. You know, he's a family guy. Huh. Yeah, yeah I, I loved all your stuff that you said about that. So so your husband is a hunter and your dad as well, right? I mean, you grew up kind of with that whole uh, uh, genre, and that's what I read about in the book. So what what was it that – who was drawn first to the podcast? Did, did Sean find it or did you find our Unashamed first? 
How did that come about? Sean found it. Um, and you're, you're right. First of all, my dad was a deer hunter and Sean was deer hunting a lot and he still does, but now he is, has a, an undying obsession with duck hunting. He has his bird dog. He was just in Missouri, Arkansas, all across the country with his black lab. Um, and he loves you guys. I love you guys. I mean, I watched you on duck dynasty, but he listened to the unashamed podcast and he loves how you guys know the Bible and you weave in your faith and your Bible verses and, you know, Phil, you just showed me what you wrote in your Bible. He loves that. And so he put it on for me when we were out in Wyoming. We had a long car ride. And I go, wow, these guys are the real deal. Down to earth, fun. You know, I got to know you all in a way uh, more intimately than in, even in Duck Dynasty. Well, that's that's awesome. And we're, we're excited that you're we've been fans of yours as too, too. So uh, I think that's mutual. Uh, you mentioned about a spiritual that what I loved about your book was how spiritual it was. And, and I wrote down some of the different verses, and I wanted to ask you some questions about that. One was uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. You said, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, and then you, tell, you told a lot about your childhood, kind of growing up as a Christian, but also growing up, obviously, almost being led into politics and doing what you're doing because you had a passion for it early. And I totally connected with you because you talked about growing up, listening to Rush Limbaugh. I was the same way. Uh, a little bit older for me in my 20s, but I, I loved Rush. And like it just sparked in me that, you know, wanting to be engaged and to be involved. Tell us a little bit about what that was like and what that dive in for you was like, because now you're you know, you've been in politics. Now you're in media as well. I mean, those are murky, you know, waters in terms of from our perspective. What's that been like for a Christian girl from Florida, uh, you know, to, to kind of dive into those waters? Yeah, it's a great question. You got to rely on your faith a lot, I will say. You know, I grew up and my dad always said, you know, what is your worldview? And my family, our worldview is I'm conservative. You're right. I listen to Rush Limbaugh riding in my dad's truck from Plant City, Florida to Tampa. Um, I grew up in Plant City. And my spiritual worldview, I'm a Jesus Christ loving Christian who grew up in the pews of my Southern Baptist church. And, you know, I had this very firmly sewn in worldview when I went out to Harvard and Oxford and these left-wing institutions. And, you know, I say iron sharpens iron because you're challenged on a daily basis in, in politics and media too, uh, by people who don't necessarily have your worldview. And it made me better. It makes me better day to day. But yeah, I, I got to really rely on Jesus and my roots a whole lot uh, because it's a different world out there. There's a a lot of snakes in the swamp in D.C. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, And you have to run them out sometimes. So what, what would you give, what advice would you give our listeners? Because I think one of the greatest fears that any Christian family has, especially in the flyover states, people that really love us in the South, uh, they're so fearful about their kids going to a university now. And I get it. I mean, it's a scary place, but you did it. I mean, you went in there, you had a mindset. What advice would you give them in helping prep you know, their kids to be able to make their way in the world and yet not, you know, relent on their faith or, you know, their core beliefs. Yeah. Well, number one, you know, never forget the truth. Um, and the truth is Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't ever let anyone convince you otherwise, because there are, you will encounter atheists um, and people who aren't believers. Um, but the fruits always tell the story, the uh, the fruits of the tree. And if you look at the Christians across the country and the good they've done, I think that tells you a lot, but never forget truth. And then when you go to your university and share truth, uh, do so with kindness, gentleness, and compassion. You know, I went on the CNN sets where it was eight on one liberal. I was the one conservative. And sometimes you wanted to stand up and just, you know, shout out, you know, you're wrong. But I didn't do that because a wise former mentor of mine, Alan Combs, said to me, never fight fire with fire, fight fire with water. And that was the best advice he could ever give. So on the sets of CNN or in the White House press briefing room, you know, I knew be truthful, share my tr share truth, uh, but do so with gentleness, kindness and compassion. And if you can do those two things in the university setting, it'll take you far. Yeah, I love what you talked about when you were at Oxford about how you were challenged in those mentor settings. And yet it made you a better person. So that was such a great view. And I also love that you talked about some people that I recognize that are on the left that you have and had a good relationship with and how we're kind of losing that right now. It's almost kind of scorched yeah. earth when it comes to, to media, it seems to be moving more that direction instead of being able to just discuss and have a difference of opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I write about Van Jones, Alan yeah. Combs too. He, he was a leftist. Um, he was Hannity and Combs. They were right. the, the two counterparts, but Van Jones, you know, Obama's green energies are, 
I'll never forget when I went to CNN and I rounded the corner to the green room. That's like the holding room you guys know, but right. for listeners, the holding room before you go on television. Um, and Van Jones shouted out, we'd never met, I love your cross. And all night he was so kind to me. He pointed out when I had food in my teeth and gave me his little mirror so I could get it out and he coached me through being on set. Um, and, you know, there's something I recognized in Van Jones and it was a common Christian faith. And I wish, you know, we could have more interactions like that across the aisle because it's a shame. There's something so much bigger than party and country and it's Christ. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. So, Dad, I know you've been spending a lot of time putting uh, Christmas decorations on the house, right? Your yearly tradition. Of- I've never gotten around to doing Christmas <laughs> decorations. <laughs> Dad's not a big. What about you, Jason? I point everybody to Jesus, but they remember they make the the you, you like the, the season. setting right. of, of 2021 years ago. Jesus came <laughs> came one, in flesh. The one time I got on the roof to put up lights after my wife asked me to. I slipped off the roof and fell flat on my back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did that wind it up? That wound it but, up. Uh, we do uh, to. We may not dress up our home, but we like to protect our home. And so, one of our sponsors is a group called Home Title Lock. And uh, fraudsters out there, these people that try to steal your title to your home online, and then basically borrow money against your equity and use your money. So it's unfortunately, it happens a lot these days. So if you have a home, especially a decorated one, you want to protect it. Here's what you do. Go to HomeTitleLot.com, register your address, make sure you're not already a victim, enter the code RADIO for 30 days of free protection. So that's HomeTitleLot.com, use the code RADIO, and uh, make sure your home is secure. Jace, you had a, what was your question? So yesterday on the podcast, Jace was practicing a question for you. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> he, he he wanted to make a dry run because well, he didn't want to embarrass I, himself. I, I had to do some research. <laughs> I, I'm the least active person on watching uh, politics and TV. So Good for I, you. I, asked my wife, <laughs> I asked my wife, I was like, all right, we're having someone on that was Trump's press secretary. And she immediately named you. And look, she she listed five things immediately about you, which, and and she was very impressed, and she's not easily impressed, as you can see. She married me, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> but she said, "Well, I'll tell you this: she's modest, she's classy, she's very smart, articulate." She said, "But the thing I've noticed most, because when you said that about the cross, she said she always wears a cross, and my wife does too. She always wears a cross. She said she's unashamed of her faith." So she's going to fit in right nicely in, in the podcast. And so after hearing you talk, I will agree. But I forgot what I was going to ask. What was I going to ask? I don't know. You said you were practicing yesterday. Cause you... I was practicing, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, what a dunderhead. Let me That's look. So I probably wrote oh, it down. So humbled by your wife's words. That's so nice. And, yeah, I love when I see ladies who wear their cross. There's a lot of them when I give speeches, and it's great to see. When the, when the election ended... And I heard the banner, you know, maybe, you know, counting the votes. I'm sitting there listening to all that. I was pretty active for Trump. I'm not in the, I don't do politics, you know. We present Jesus, him crucified and raised from the dead. So spiritual fixes is what we look for instead of uh, political fixes. But now I have not turned on, I don't have a computer I've never owned a cell phone. Or I'm a oblivious. I'm or a watch. Or a watch. He don't know I'm oblivious time to time of day and, and that. So <laughs> I keep things simple, and it's just trouble to me. But you're going to have to help me out because I have interacted, even just turning on a talk show, some CNN, Fox News. I haven't watched television except for Matt Dillon. <laughs> it's an old Western I mean, show. Okay, I quit <laughs> listening because Kayla, Thank look, you. the more I heard, and, and, I, and I, I tried it first, and I would see Joe Biden, and I would listen to what he was saying. And I, I think just, that's what I, I was going to say, Phil. I became uh, sickened by the whole process, yeah, the political a, process. You're going to have to help me out. I don't know about these guys. but Well, that's I, what I was going to say, Phil, I'm, yesterday. How do we become – because there's a tendency to become disinterested and, uh, you know, give us give us something to it's feel. It's so vile. <laughs> I can't watch it anymore, Kayla. Give us some optimism. Yeah, well, 
A lot of optimism heading to next November. I mean, uh, the Democrats have the slimmest majority they've ever had in the House for any modern president. Um, and I, we're going to have a tsunami, a red wave, I believe. But look, um, the stakes are too high not to be engaged. Jace, I don't blame you. It's um, I'm, I'm someone who's always engaged. And you know, because there are people that do it for a living, uh, you don't have to subject yourself to kind of the unhappiness of the political process each and every day. But um, the stakes are so high, and particularly the one issue that matters to me more than any issue in politics, um, the one that is just I've been passionate about since I was a young girl, uh, is the issue of life. And the fact that Roe v. Wade, we're even talking about overturning Roe v. Wade potentially, is only yep. made possible because we elected a Republican president, a Republican Senate, who put on three conservative Supreme Court justices. Yep. I mean, 62 million kids in this country have lost their life to the scourge of abortion. Um, and that could change. And it could change because we all showed up on that day in November of 2016 and elected the right guy. So yeah. how are we going to know or can we count on this vote counting fiasco? Because when I saw all that, I said, it's so corrupt. I don't even know whether we can have an honest election anymore. <laughs> so help me out here. <laughs> Yeah, you know, COVID-19, unfortunately, presented um, an opportunity for, you know, the rules to kind of be changed. Like in Wisconsin, if you were indefinitely confined, uh, that, that usually was a very high standard. But if you feared COVID, you could just stay home and vote and not show your ID. And we've got to have safeguards in place. But the encouraging thing is Republican legislatures have been passing new laws to signature have signature match and voter identification the georgia law you saw the georgia law i'm sure yeah. the one, they lost the mlb game because of that but that that law is a great example of the kind of voter integrity we need so you um, still have hope that i do that through the political process we can get the right people like donald trump in there i do i absolutely do and i think uh, i've watched what's going on across the country texas georgia Republican uh, legislators are stepping up, being bold, and making sure we have integrity. We've got to have it. Have to. Yeah. Spent, well, we all we still have faith in Jesus. You and I both. We we both have our faith in Jesus. But you have at least given me a little more hope in government. Yeah, usually I'm the uh, I'm the float of this tri uh, trio here, Kaylee, because I, I'm still engaged and watch to let these guys know what's going on. But I'm with you. You spend a lot of time in the book talking about. Um, I think you call it the October surprise or maybe it was a September surprise. One of the two, uh, whenever uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and then all of a sudden right here in the middle of an election, you got an opportunity. President Trump has an opportunity, the administration to to put a justice in. And so, you know, Amy Comey Barrett came in and you talk a lot about that process and, and just what you mentioned a minute ago, what that means to life. Uh, how important was that to you? But also kind of what was that like going through that like frantic pace of trying to at this campaign, you know, later you dealt with COVID, but in the middle of this to all of a sudden put a Supreme Court justice on the bench? Oh, it was uh, we were blindsided. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, obviously not someone whose judicial philosophy I agreed with, but she was a lion of the court, left yep. a, a great legacy um, of integrity and intellect, though I didn't agree with her. But she passes away and it's this mad scramble first to tell the president of the United States because he's on a rally stage giving a rally. People were literally shouting out that she had died. Um, from what I know, he didn't hear any of those folks shouting out, but we had to inform him of this. It was a huge scramble. And then uh, to try to get the right person in and he picked the right person and Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, you'll remember if you watched any of her confirmation hearings, they asked her to hold up her notes and she held it up and it was blank. You know, she was just such a smart woman, uh, the, the diametric opposite of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg it, philosophically, but uh, whip smart. And uh, she sailed through because how could you oppose someone that's you know got it together like that? Yeah, it was it was really neat. I, I loved reading about that. So I want to mention uh, that is an interesting point, because the Supreme Court, at least they're supposed to be staunch conservatives. Well, yeah, uh, of the Constitution. The, the, right, the right, right number of them. Right, right. Well, and, and strict constitutions, that's what you want. Because if you if you stick with the Constitution, you're going to wind up on the right side. That helps a of little. Issues. Right. Do you still carry your Constitution around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm... <laughs> we have one here on set most of the time. I mean, I I'm just seeing America and what it's turning to and all the corruption and just the... Uh, that story reminds me of Phil when he was speaking and he was like, he would look down, you think he's using notes and about three fourths through a sermon, 
he held up his notepad. There was nothing on it. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he's like ACP. He was a lot of light. Depravity yeah. has uh, gone mainstream. And I, I'm just looking, saying, when are we going to wake up? I mean, I know it's difficult for the human race, but it looks like to me, love God and love your neighbor. I just don't see the downside at all. Exactly. I mean, exactly. No, you're exactly right. Just just love. There are some reports out about Kamala Harris mistreating her staff um, for, I guess, decades. And I'm like, just love those and be nice to people, especially those who work for you, especially yeah. those who sign up because they believe in you. So go back to yeah. basic biblical principles. Well, you, you know, I told you the story about me getting escorted out of the Trump hotel. And, uh, you know, when when I went back, they invited me to uh one of their golf courses, I think, in New Jersey. They said, we'll take care of you. But I had lunch, which how I met the Trumps, with uh, Don Trump Jr. and his brother, Eric. And we spent the whole time talking about, because they knew I had a daughter who was born with a cleft lip and palate, and they were major supporters to kids with the same issue. And so... Really, I tell that story. I was like, you know, it started off with a mistaken identity and a and a mishap, but we came together for our love for kids who had special needs, which we developed a friendship, and then we had hunting in common also. Of course, this is way before they were running, you know, for president, but it it just seemed weird at that point that I thought, well, this this is life, and when you meet people in such a way as that, and you have that that love as something that's binding you together, you know, with then when you try to explain that, I have a relationship with these people and had nothing to do with TV shows or policies in that moment, which is why I supported them fully. Well, and all that was way before you had any idea that Donald yeah. Trump would be president, right? Well, and right. then later on you had that Well, the, the most, the, the funny thing that happened through that was we took, uh, who was the guy, Phil took duck hunting, uh, he was running a cruise. Oh, cruise. He took cruise hunt, duck hunting, which I had, I didn't know anything about it. And so Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> sends me a text and was like, what's up with your dad? <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, he's taking duck hunting the guy we're running against. Yeah. He said, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> so he came down and duck hunting. <laughs> he did. Three days. Feels, feels like, tell Cruz I'm going with Trump. <laughs> well, especially because Don Jr. was a way better hunter. Let's take yeah. another break. So uh, we're guys who stand up for what we believe in, uh, mainly the gospel, because we want people to know about Jesus. One of our uh, sponsors is a group called Patriot Mobile. And so they're a, a mobile phone provider, and they stand up for what they believe in as well, which is probably a lot of what our audience does also. They're the only Christian conservative wireless provider. And so if uh, if you're ready to make a switch or you're thinking about it, these guys are definitely worth looking at. They have plans that fit any budget. Their U.S.-based customer service team provides exceptional customer service report. They share a lot of our values. So check these guys out, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You get free activation with the offer code Phil. They always have special discounts for veterans and first responders. We love that. So support this company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Uh, he was a way better hunter, too. So, yeah, exactly. so Scott, I want to ask you, because we don't have a lot of time left with you. So uh, you quote, the name of your book, For Such a Time as This, is a quote from Esther 4.13. And, you know, the story of Esther, which is amazing, because it, she was in a position that she didn't really plan to be, but then she had a moment to step into a role, and she did it. And so in the book, you describe what it was like to get that opportunity. And what was amazing was the reason I respect you so much is because you had just started a family. You know, I mean, you, you, you'd gotten married. You were going to have, you know, you, at some point you were going to have a baby. And yet you're thrust into the press secretary for, you know, one of the most controversial presidents ever in terms of, you know, he has people that hate him and love him so much. So what was that like? for you and what gave you the ability to step into that role? Cause you had a lot going on 
at the same time. Yeah. And yet you did it with grace, as Missy said. And so what, what was that like for you to step into a role like that in the position in life that you were? Well, it was a tremendous honor. You know, when I got the job, I told the president, uh, it's the honor of a lifetime. Um, and it certainly was professionally, but you're exactly right. I had a five month old daughter. Um, you know, I was married, living down in Florida, though I had a place in DC because I was working on the campaign. But I had a lot of anxiety as a new mom, leaving my daughter behind in Florida during COVID-19 outbreak and having to go up to the swamp, um, start this new job. So there were a lot of tears involved leaving her. Um, I was worried um, if I'd be able to communicate with the American people during this you know, global outbreak of COVID-19. And then my dad texted me and he said, Kaylee, maybe you were made, quote, for such a time as this. And you're exactly right, a reference to the book of Esther. And then separately, and I believe sometimes, you know, people say, how do you know God is real? Well, when you get a message like that, and then three weeks later, four weeks later, I get a message from a liberal at CNN, Van Jones, Kaylee, maybe you were made for such a time as this. Two people sending the same message. It was like God trying to beat me over the head with something like he does <laughs> often. I had many experiences like that in life. And, you know, Esther has changed human history and uh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting what I did is in any way as significant as what she did, but I do believe that message was meant for us all to hear. We're all here in a certain time and place in a certain part of the country in a profession with a family um, for such a time as this. And God has a purpose and he had one for me and he has one for everyone, everyone listening. I know that to be true. Yep. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was really powerful. Uh, and, the, and the last verse I want to mention that you mentioned in the book is Philippians 413. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And you chronicle that a lot, you know, in terms of not just working in the White House, but really your whole life. Uh, but I, here's something I want, I want you to tell the story about. It really intrigued me, and I know Jace will love it, about the worship service that you went to with the president when you were in Nevada. I think you were in Las Vegas. And yeah. you talked about worship and you talked about the impact it had on you in that day. Tell that story. I think our audience will love that in terms of in a moment of such pressure, how worship meant you know so much to you. Tell that story. Yeah, it was uh, quite something because, look, when the president got COVID-19, it was in October, um, there was you could just feel good and evil in the White House. It was ironic to me that um, the day that they had the super spreader event in the Rose Garden for Amy Coney Barrett, you know, evil was at work in that Rose Garden. Uh, there was also good in the White House at the same time because Franklin Graham had visited um, a number of other high profile pastors. So there was really this kind of good and evil battle playing out. Um, COVID-19 ended up um, affecting Trump, myself, Hope Hicks, others in the White House. And so it was kind of a tumultuous time. I uh, was really worried about the president. But on the backside of us all recovering from COVID, we go to Las Vegas. We go to the International Church of Las Vegas. And um, I go to church with my parents and my husband and my daughter, but never with the president of the United States. So it was super cool to walk in and hear these songs that I've heard my whole life. You know, I'll move the mountains um, and just hear these lyrics. And they just started um, really moving me and affecting me. So I started tearing up. I was trying to shield my tears from the press as I'm standing by the president and Scavino and Hope Hicks. And then I heard a new song. Um, it's called New Wine. And it's about the crushing and the pressing of the grapes and this really tough process resulting in this beautiful product of wine. And the crushing and the pressing happened for a reason because uh, God has a beautiful design on the other end. And to stand next to the president as you know, this whole evangelical church is singing. Uh, it was definitely one of uh, the high points of, of the presidency for me and my time there. That's yeah. cool. Well, that's a, <coughs> I, I knew cool you'd story. like that, Jace, because Jace always talks about worship and its impact at any moment yeah. uh, about how it affects you, which is powerful. I think I just remembered your question. You were going to ask her about how do you connect rednecks? That's uh, what I was going to yeah, do. That, Look, no, I, I was just impressed with, now here's... You know, Donald Trump from New York, and he wants the votes of the flyover states. And the only two groups of people, which really is kind of the same group they cross over, who you can offend and they don't care are the redneck world <laughs> and the church Christian world. Right. I mean, we're people just dump all over us. Right. And, and we read Matthew 5 and say, okay. <laughs> I mean, we just take it. Which is okay. But what he did that was smart was he made everything into bumper sticker statements. You know, build the, build wall. the wall. Uh I mean, what are some others? Uh wrong. Drain the swamp. Drain the yeah, swamp. Drain the swamp. You know, everybody <sighs> cut your so taxes. He yeah. he found a way to articulate and connect 
with the redneck world just by, which is really what you do as a press secretary, right? You take all the gibberish and just make a bumper sticker out of it. They won me yeah. over. Yeah, and walk out there and bam, there it is. Like, I, I have a pretty hard head, but they got me. Well, I just wanted yeah, to know the first time you walked out, was there a moment of like, I'm really fixed to do this? I mean, what went through your mind? Because I know the first time, because you're classy and professional, very smart, but I mean, there had to be like, okay, here we go. I mean, was there a prayer? <laughs> oh, yes. There were many. You know, I had prepared more than uh, you think you, it's possible to prepare late into the night, you know, but I woke up in the morning. I listened to a Joyce Meyer sermon about having faith over fear, and I listened to Christian music, and I tweeted out, actually, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and a former press secretary, Sarah Sanders, sent me advice. And one of the pieces of advice she sent me was, most importantly, pray. And she sent me a picture of her Jesus calling from exactly two years prior to my first briefing. And it talked about not having time to worry. But I had a lot of time to worry. I, in fact, I was crying in my office when I was supposed to be at the podium. I was so nervous. And so my assistant <laughs> runs in and goes, you know, you can't be crying in here. And she put my parents on speakerphone and we prayed together. I went to the West Wing bathroom and I got on my knees and I prayed myself, uh, went in and I saw the president and Vice President Pence and Pence went like this to me and said, I've been praying for you. I love the verse you posted. And when I went to the podium, I went from crying in my office to being at the podium and just had a total and complete serenity. And it wasn't because of my preparation. It was because Christians were praying across the country. I hear it even this morning. My friend Ainsley Earhart said, you know, we, I was praying for you before your first briefing. I didn't know that, but millions of Christians praying for the whole administration. I can tell you, we felt it, and I certainly did. Uh, let's take another break. We're always looking for that perfect gift. Christmas time is here. So you're thinking, what am I going to get? So instead of giving another gadget, because, Dad, I know you don't really like gadgets uh, too well. Instead of giving another gadget, give what somebody like Phil would like, and that's meat. Quality steaks, right, Dad? I mean, is that a gift that keeps on giving? Eat your way out of it. Eat your way out of it. One of our uh, great sponsors is a group called GoodRanchers.com. They've got a variety of boxes that you can try or you can give to someone else to try. It is a great gift. You can get $20 off and free shipping on your order when you use the code Phil at checkout. So check these guys out. Uh, they're, they're believers. They're great guys. They support our podcast. So check these guys out. Give a gift they'll remember for years to come. Get your Good Ranchers box or your gift card today. Tis the season for open hearts and full stomachs. So go to GoodRanchers.com. Use the code Phil. You're going to get $20 off and free shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Phil, or use the code Phil at checkout. Take advantage of this special holiday offer today. So you mentioned, too, Mark Meadows being a believer, uh, chief of staff for uh, President Trump, and I didn't know that uh, until you talk about it in the book, but even he was a source of inspiration, right? Because I always had those positive words about Christ and about you know your, your faith. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, um, it's God knows where you're at and what you're struggling with. And he puts people in the right place. I believe believers to send you messages or give you that encouragement. Mark Meadows certainly was that, um, a man of great faith. And, you know, I was standing outside of the president's oval office and I forget what I was struggling with that day or what, what the issue was, but, you know, he comes in and randomly starts talking about divine timing because the president's assistant had walked out to her car moments after a tree fell on it. And he talked about, God protecting her from that incident. And he talked about meeting his wife and when he went to go take the SAT and um, how he had designed for them to meet. And he was he gave this whole kind of soliloquy about divine timing. And I just really resonated with me that day. And then Pence walked in and here we are standing outside of the most powerful office in the world um, and having these Christians share these messages. Uh, no doubt about it. Mark Meadows, I'm glad you brought that up. Was a great man of faith. I love that. You know, it was when we were invited to the inauguration. This is so now, if you're going along the timeline, kicked out of the Trump Hotel, <laughs> we patched everything up. Then I got an invite to the inauguration. Yeah. And wow. And, we yeah, all did. And, yeah. and I got invited to a party that was not a party, which was crazy. That's a long story. But anyway, I got to ride to the inauguration with the family of the Pences. Right. Which, so I knew. Just the spirit in the, in the bus from a 
from a godly perspective was amazing and awesome and will be a cherished memory. But I'm inspired hearing how your faith uh, walked you through all these situations because it reminded me, you know, when I, I go around and speak, I tell people right off the bat in my speech, my two greatest fears are flying and public speaking. And now... <laughs> I fly yeah. all over the world <laughs> and speak. And speak. <laughs> now, whenever I address this sister here after hearing her speak and watched her on television, I was watching her when, they, when the switch came, and I said to Miss Kay, I said, that girl has nerves of steel. <laughs> nerves of steel. I said, she's not going to budge. Well, it's one thing when you, when you go into a room of jackals, you better be ready. Woo. So in our last few minutes here, Kelly, I, I wanted you to tell, us what, tell our audience what you're doing now uh, in, in terms of media, and then also tell us a little bit about your family, about baby Blake and Sean, and kind of how things are going with them. Yeah, so I'm at Fox News now. Um, I co-host the 12 p.m. show, Outnumbered. We have a fun show with Emily Campagno, Harris Faulkner, um, great group of women. So it's it's fun to be here at Fox. And yeah, my daughter, baby Blake, just turned two, which is absolutely crazy how fast wow. the time goes. I know every parent says that, but I'm realizing it's true more and more each day. Um, my husband, I'm trying to, you know, it's duck season, so I don't I don't see him much. Every weekend <laughs> he's he's off somewhere, um, you know, and uh, it's but that's that's where we are. So I have a great family, great mom, great dad, sister, brother. And um, I've just been very blessed with an amazing family unit and my, my little daughter. Well, I want to offer an invitation for your husband to come duck hunting with us. You can come and hang out or hunt, whichever you, you can so come desire. and eat at Miss Kay's. We'll, we'll get your people with our people. But I wanted to leave you with this verse because I listening to you talk. I thought about this verse has been inspiration to me, but first Peter three fifteen. it seems like you embody this, but it says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have wow. but do this with gentleness and respect. So we appreciate your, your attitude. And uh, that's first Peter three fifteen. That's a great verse, Jace. Keep wearing that camo to Trump tower, please, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now that now that they got a picture of him, if it's still up. Uh, well, pa yeah, pass along our best to your family, to your folks. Uh, I know you guys have uh, you used to watch the show, and it's really neat to connect at this level. And I appreciate uh, your folks reaching out for our audience for such a time as this. Uh, when does the book release and where can folks get it? So it releases Tuesday, December 7th. So it's out on shelves. You can get it at Barnes and Noble, KayleeBook.com if you want a signed copy. But yeah, and wherever books are sold. And been a, a real honor to be on with you guys and thank you for just your very public testament to your faith it's an inspiration to a lot of people including myself and and i look up to you guys it's great to be here and i, I want to take you up on that duck hunt offer all right That's, it's going to happen i've got your info so we're going to connect on that and make it happen kaylee McEnany, everybody thank you kaylee for being here today thanks so much for having me jason happy about his time that, that was that was i was impressed with her yeah, I knew you would be. She's she's amazing. And I mean, I just knew from her describing it in the book, but also she, you know, I mean, like she had to what she faced every day. We didn't get into that. But the news media, of course, they hated Trump. So and she's representative of the president. So you're trying to, you know, answer questions. Her answers. I, I remember it. She was she did not budge. I mean, she's, she well, there was, she did her research and yeah. she did not. But well, there were so many questions, you know, you don't you have so much time. But I wanted to ask, but one of them was I've never seen a press secretary do this, but she would come in and she started every briefing. And she talks about in the book with a positive story about some American somewhere. In other words, there was so much negativity all the time, yeah. especially during Trump years, that she decided she was going to tell a positive story about a normal American at the beginning of every press briefing. And I never even heard of anything like that. And I thought, well, that tells you a lot about her right there. I mean, her deal was, is look, we don't have to just focus on the negative all the time. Sometimes we can talk about the positive. Yep. And that, that was one of the things, Jason, you were talking about inspiration. I mean, that was one of the inspirational things that I thought about her. Because, you know, of course, she would go through her thing, and then as soon as she would finish, it would just be, you know, just right into the thing. So I liked her answer when she said, just just bring forth the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Share the truth. Yeah. 
Yes, you put that at number one. I like that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, you know, they they asked her, I read somewhere, they asked her, are you ever going to lie? You know, the, the yeah. left asked her that, because they wanted her on record saying, I'll never lie, because she, she's obviously a person who is trying to tell the truth. So then they would come up with scenarios or circumstances and say, well, yeah, but you said this. I thought you said you were never going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when it was a lie, we, this is what we were trying to do. I mean, it may yeah. not have worked out at, in the end, but it just it just shows you how divisive. I mean, you have two sides, and they're basically spinning every situation just to however their camp believes the view. One represents the evil one, and one represents Jesus Christ. And, yeah. they, and when that's when well, you, that's the best that's case a, scenario. If, if yeah. yeah, well, and then I mean, yeah, that was one thing she, she mentioned all the people around her, and and I knew that Pence was a believer, but I, you know, and strong, but I didn't know about Meadows, and she mentions other people too, and so it, it gave me a lot of uh, hope that just because people are in politics, because we kind of tend to say, oh, well, they're all corrupt and it's all bad. But God does have people. She in didn't those uh, mention like Trump trying to make a comeback. She didn't mention that. No, and I didn't want to ask her because, you know, she can't say, even if she knew, she wouldn't be able to tell us. But, but I mean, Trump hadn't said yet. So, but he's going yeah. to now. <laughs> well, that would have been, yeah, that wouldn't have been a fair. But you know, he's going to do it. He's going to, I mean, I don't have any doubt that he's going to. But I like this woman. You know, it made me think. Well, she'll uh, probably be back in the thing again, you know. But it made me think, uh, you know, kind of like how the chosen has brought out with with Jesus's followers and those going around. There were key women there. Yeah. Who were, uh, you know, foundations for Jesus's ministry and, and how he went along. And I just thought, man, here's this woman. I mean, pretty young yeah. with this responsibility. And then when you hear how her faith, I got I got goosebumps a couple times when she was talking about for such a time as this and yeah. Esther and, you know, crying and praying and then just stepping up there and just having the courage. I thought, man, what a godly, there, there what, is, what a godly woman oh, here. There is was, hope. Yeah. But, but it was always with her because she talks a lot about her childhood. It was all from the early days. She said she would be on her way to cheerleading practice. And, you know, she's just a teenager. And so whoever she's riding with, they had to turn it on Rush Limbaugh. She's a teenage girl. She's like, no, we're listening to Rush, you know, on the way back and forth. And I thought, you know, she was convicted even way back then of what she wanted to do. But look, she went to Oxford University for a year in, in London. She describes that. And then she went to Harvard Law School and graduated from there. So, so I was telling y'all. I mean, she's intelligence, you know, you know, off the chain, but she's very grounded and real, and that's evident from our discussion. Yeah. I mean, she could fit right in with us and respects us for what we're doing here on Unashamed, which is pretty amazing. And so, you don't think you impact? You, we're thinking of it like we're only talking to rednecks out there. We're talking to everybody. Surprising, exactly. Which is surprising in a good way. But then you love the way she has the scriptures as her guide in the book and the idea of iron sharpening iron for such a time as this, I can do all things. I mean, that's what yeah. grounds people into living every day. So you're right, Jess. I think it was when you see people who are in positions of things that affect everybody's life, have the same basic faith as you and trust in Christ. That's that, that goes a long way. You know, and she also, the first thing she said, she was like, you know, we all make mistakes and it's just, you just don't hear people acknowledge because in the political world, they have that on their side as an attack because we all do make mistakes. Right. So they're just trying to find what yours are. Yep. Because they're there. Right. We all have our flaws. But it's it's how you handle them. It's how you respond to them. And I don't know. I was just impressed and for a lot of different reasons. But when she, she started off saying, look, we all make mistakes. And I'm not going to basically apologize for my faith that's right. faith and that was my anchor throughout this whole process that that's the that's the gist of what well, I got. I, th- and I thought you y'all would both like when she first met her husband because I started I laughed out loud when I was reading it I mean she's she's like okay uh, you know she's spent all this time preparing herself now she's in New York she's doing media and she's like you know I really want to settle down I want to marry someone and she sees a guy in camo in New York. 
Yeah. You know, and she's like, you know, this might be a guy. <laughs> this might be a guy I need to talk to. He, he, like, he stood out. He stood out. <laughs> a, and she she knew he was bold enough to wear it because most people, you know, be afraid, you know, to kind of. Yeah, that's why I told her my story. It was kind of a sad story, you know. But you would think, you know, I, I actually made that point to the guy who escorted me out later when I got back in because I saw him later. I was like, my clothes are, these camo, they're not cheap. Yeah. I mean, you look and say, oh, there's some vagrant wearing, you know, a bunch of camo fatigues. It's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> do the math. Do some research. Oh, you remember that time we did the, we did the, uh, I don't know if dad was there. We did a, a uh, I think dad was there. We did a cost comparison. Randy Kirby, uh, who's a stockbroker, uh, was wearing a super nice suit. And, you know, the shoes, the tie, we went through the whole thing. So we went through the net value of that. And then dad was wearing, you know, full Under Armour camo, a coat, you know, everything that goes with that. And we did a cost comparison and dad was dressed was more way expensive. more expensive yeah. than the fine suit, the fine shoes, the fine tie, all that stuff. Well, I mean, chest waders, and, which you have to have. Right. So they know that. It's kind of like you have to shoot steel shot when you shoot ducks. So guess what? Steel shot is expensive. Yeah. They just said, Very well, much so. double it. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, mistaken dad's uh, wardrobe was around three grand and Kirby's was about 1500 <laughs> So it was like double, you know, because this high-end camo is expensive. So the argument that I was not dressed properly, that uh, didn't... You were well, actually... not according to money. <laughs> That's what gets me uh, just so upset about church people who put... They say, well, you have to look a certain way. Now, they'll come up with that, you know, we were... With a guy who didn't have the wedding clothes on, that's yep. the one they anchor on. But I oh, think yeah. they missed the point there. <laughs> but, yeah, I think. You know, I'm going to bring up in Samuel where it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I mean, that's, well, and that's I think the, that trumps everything. But that's the joke of it is that it's even more expensive than people have any idea. Well, that's thinking. my yeah, point. Right. Yeah. You know, I get up, you know, I've never. <laughs> We were talking about the chosen. Uh, Dallas Cheek had sent me a text one day. He's like, "What are you doing?" Or something. Well, I was literally fixed to get up and and speak, and uh, or I was up there. I, I I can't remember. I think I took a picture of me while I was up there of me on the screen, and I sent it to him. What during my speech? Yeah. And his was because I thought he would think, "Well, how'd you do that while you were speaking?" And what did he send back? He said, I'm glad you dressed up for the occasion. Because <laughs> I have my camo on, and I'm like. That's what you got so, out of that? So after the speech, I went and looked up the verse in First Samuel and was like, and, and it's like, yeah, God looks at the heart. You're looking at the external. Because it was a Sunday morning. Yeah. So you yeah. sent that back to him? Yeah. What did he say? Oh, it, it, it sparked quite the debate, comically. but. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he was like, he was just, he was actually shocked that I spoke at a church on Sunday morning wearing camo and I had that shirt that had the arms mm -hmm. cut off. And uh, so he was like, yeah. And then he did the same thing my wife did early on. It was like, why would you cut out the arms? I was like, well, that was an emergency number two <laughs> oh, yeah, session in the that. woods. <laughs> I said, for a while, I only had one sleeve. So... But then you were really working the Another gym. emergency brought some some chemistry to it. All right, we're out of time, but we'll um, we'll give you an update if we get to go. Uh, we get Sean down here to hunt. We'll tell you how they are uh, when we meet them in yeah. person. Too. Oh, my wife would be excited. Yeah, that'll be fun. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes, and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.